today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Yo. And on today's edition of the show, we are one day closer to the first KU football game of the season. True. We're going to talk more KU Missouri State today. Also, Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star will join the show at 3.40. We have a RCSD football trivia quarterfinal matchup. We're going to get to our college football betting preview, another KU football superlative segment. Uh, Seth Okpovina is the new KU rugby coach. He's going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour. We've also got some more KU football player audio on today's show, which is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. How about this? Uh, Bet Kansas released odds on the most likely records for KU football here in 2023. Okay. By the odds, you can get them at, so this has to be exact, plus 270 to finish five and seven. That is the most likely. Okay. Not far behind, though, is to finish at six and six, which is plus 300. Hmm. Well, based off of the line of win total being at six, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. The next highest is at plus four twenty, which is four and eight. Shortly followed by seven and five, which is plus four fifty. So basically, th- this sporting book is saying it's more likely, slightly, that Kansas finishes four and eight than five and seven. I would disagree with that. You think they have? Wait. No, they're saying they have a. That it's more likely that they would finish four and eight than seven. And Correct. That's, you said five and seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I mean, I think so. Basically, essentially, that means that there are people out there that think that KU has a higher likelihood of taking a couple steps back than taking a step forward. Essentially, if you had if you went six and seven last season and you go four and eight this season, you've gone backwards versus going seven and five, and. I think it kind of goes back to our discussion yesterday about the fact that I think a lot of people are putting an extra emphasis on KU schedule. I think a lot of people are putting an extra extra emphasis on maybe just the fact that, well, you know, this this is KU football. This is what they do. They they suck. They're not very good, and so people are expecting maybe a bit of a step backward. When if you look at if you start to examine this team and you start to look a little bit more closely at the coaching staff, at the players, at what you bring back, all signs would indicate towards being at least as good, if not better, than your previous year, in which you went 6-6. Six and six. But it's not a one-to-one transfer of the schedule, so you know I, I get all that. But I, I would probably disagree with that as well. I think it's probably more likely that KU does take a step forward than take multiple steps back. Like, if they go 5-7... and seven, are you calling that a step back? It depends. Were there injuries? Were there just some weird fluky losses? Like, it if might go not be four a step eight, back. Yeah. If they go four and eight, it's a step back. Yes. Right? Yeah. Versus five versus seven and five. 
Yeah, I, I think there is some good odds there. I, I almost would rather take this number at plus 450 of 7-5 and five than taking just the over on 6. I know it eliminates, like, if they went 8-4, and four, you still wouldn't win at that point. But I don't know, plus 450, that seems pretty good there. 3-9 uh, and nine is plus 650, which is the next highest odds. Other is plus 1,100. I would be very tempted to, to sprinkle on this four. other, right? 8-4. and four. Yeah, 8-4 and four better. Yeah. Now again, that's not. I, I haven't been going seven and five, so that's not like a far cry from getting to eight and four. I'm not saying they're going to go eight and four, but if you're giving me eleven to one, like we were looking at this earlier, because because we were getting ready for our college football betting preview, neither one of us is I think going to pick this, so whatever. Weren't you saying Iowa is eleven to one to win to make the college football playoff? Uh, yes. To make the college football yeah, playoff, draft, Iowa is eleven to one. DraftKings is odds for making the college football playoff makes zero sense right. to me. I don't understand it at all. So basically this is saying the chances of KU winning eight or more games or winning two or less games is equal to Iowa making the playoff. And Iowa ain't making the playoff. Eleven to one is great value on that. I'm sorry, some it other, just is. Some other funny ones on making the playoff is Wisconsin is plus nine hundred. I'm actually all aboard Wisconsin this year. You're 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 on Wisconsin. All aboard, baby. Washington is plus six hundred. Uh, let's see here. LSU plus three hundred. Florida State plus three twenty. Huh. Clemson plus three hundred. You're fine with all those? Yeah, fine with all those. Huh. I don't know. To me, some of those should be a little bit higher, probably. Like what? You think Clemson should be like five to one or something? Or Florida State? I mean, everyone assumes Florida State's going to be good, but why? Because they won 10 games last year, and they returned, like, all their players, and they're in a conference that stinks. them or Clemson. That's terrible. You know? Yeah. So if you went, if you go 12-1 Dude, if, and one in the ACC, KU, you're going to make the playoff. If KU was in the ACC, I would say they're going 9-3. <laughs> and three. Okay. Easily. Well, Duke went 9-4 and four last year. And exactly. Tick, right? Um. So I don't know, man. I, I, I still believe that. To me, I'm going over on the six, and honestly, I'm very tempted to take the other at 1100, or take the at that point. If you're basically saying take the bet on seven and five at plus 450, or the other at plus 1100, at that point, if Kansas wins seven or more games, at very minimum, your payout is plus 225, and at maximum, it's plus 550. So that would be something that is uh, very interesting to me. We're gonna have a uh, KLWN promo code starting next week for DraftKings, by the way, for what it's worth. Um, so I have a, a not-so-fun question for today, but I'm just generally curious as we head into the season because typically over the past decade, as we've, as we've started a season for KU football and they're playing an FCS opponent, the conversation has very much never been they're going to win this game. This yeah, is a for-sure win. Don't lose. And just Please don't lose, and sometimes they have. This is the first time in a long time that KU's playing an FCS opponent where it's like, no, they should, uh, they should win this I mean, game. I think last handily. year... Last year, you you got the sense that Tennessee Tech was a, a pretty bad FCS. Probably, but still, the line like, for that game was like, to, what, 17 points? Oh, I think it was higher than that, if I recall. But, I mean, you go back to like... The uh, year before, they barely beat South Dakota. No, I know. No, I know. No, last year was an exception. Because you, you go back to like, uh, let's see, this would have been like, what, 2017? The year they beat Rhode Island? I mean, Rhode Island was one of the worst FCS teams of all time. And even going into that game, I think the discourse was more of a, okay, you really don't want to lose to this Rhode Island team because they're actually one of the worst FCS teams. You know, I don't know how much of it was they're guaranteed to beat Rhode Island as much as it was don't lose to Rhode Island. But listen, 
a team of me and you could have beaten Rhode Island. So we dodged the bullet there. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the first year, though, that you really go into it with high expectations that, you know, because you're good, not just because the, the opponent. No, yeah. No, I guess that's a good way to put it. In a while, it. yeah. The, the, reason, the reason why you expect KU to beat Missouri State is not because Missouri State's terrible. It's because you expect KU yes. to be good. Yeah. Whereas maybe that's you can make that argument about last year. Like mm-hmm. last year, Tennessee Tech was like what a three win team in, in 2021, something like that. So coming into that game, you were like, yeah, they're, they're bad. So that's why KU should win. Maybe not so much necessarily as we thought KU was going to be really, like really good. Yeah, and uh, when we've had those conversations, it's kind of been something where it's like, yeah, if you lose this game, like it's it's going to set you behind. It's going to feel really bad. It's going to. You know, for certain coaches, it might be their final straw, this and that. For this year's team, none of that's the case. They lose this game. They're still good enough that you're going to be like, well, I don't think they're going to go 0-12. Like, for instance, last year if they did lose the Tennessee Tech, coming off a year in which they were 2-10, and you probably would have gone, uh-oh, 0-12, 1-11. You know, year before you lose to South Dakota in 2021, you're like, oh, if we would have lost that game, at that point, you know, the day after you lose the game, you're like, ah, oh, we're probably going 0-12 or one eleven. That's not the case with this year. If you do just randomly get upset by Missouri State, I think people will obviously downgrade the amount of wins that you would, would be projected to have. Would but really they'll suck. still expect you to win a couple games at that point because there is enough talent still in the roster. Um, but what happens if KU does get upended? If they do get shocked and you do lose to Missouri State, which, to be clear, I'm not expecting this to happen. How quickly and how much do you think expectations would shift? I think they would shift the second after the clock hits triple zeros. And so, like, how drastically? I think pretty drastically. Like, very drastically, actually. Like, instead of the over-under being at six, it would, it'd instead like of just two, saying, oh, it'd be five three. now. You won't, you lost the game you weren't supposed to. It would drop to, like, three. Yes, I think so. Maybe two. Yes. I, I, I do think so, yes. So here's the deal with this. The, in, fair or not, there is a there is still a certain national pervading narrative about KU football that they suck. Okay, I know a lot of people are very very excited about KU football locally. A lot of KU fans, people that follow KU, us included, are very very excited about KU football and have you know some expectations for them to to hopefully build off what they did last season. But think about it: if you're Joe Schmo. In on the East Coast or West Coast, and you saw KU start five and zero, and then they finish six and six, you're probably thinking, "Well, it's KU. They're probably not going to be as good this year." Without, I mean, they you may, you may not even realize everything else about you know you know what I'm saying. You may not even know anything else about KU. Mm-hmm. So, from a national perspective, I think yes, immediately there will be the sense of, "Well, KU football's back. They had their fun last year. We'll see it two and ten, and call it a, and call it a day." Now, for us, covering the team, I think maybe we would have a little less extreme reaction to that. Uh, well, I guess I, sh- I should guess I should say this. I would probably not be here on the Monday after because <laughs> I would be, you know, in a dark place. But that being said, a loss to Missouri State would certainly reset, I think, a lot of expectations. You would go from... Let's go to another bowl. Let's uh, let's you know build off that. Let's maybe compete for a Big Twelve title. To please win like more than three games, <laughs> somehow, mm-hmm. so that this season's not a complete embarrassment and we're not back to square one. What about from a program perspective? I think if you lose, to, I think if you lose to Missouri State, you're you're damn near back to square one. Honestly, 
I really do. So you think it erases everything that happened last year? I think yes. And yes. that's a lot of pressure on an FCS game. Is it not? <laughs> it's an FCS game. I don't think it erases everything. See, I almost view this more as like, yes, it would clearly dock how you would think of the team and, and how many wins you think they can get. It erases everything. For me, it doesn't. For me, I could still see. Okay, because I all back, confidence in Lance Leipold gone. <laughs> okay, I think that's a little too much. You think that's extreme? Yeah, I, I go back. There are a couple teams that I don't think it's that extreme. For me. To be honest, Michigan in two thousand seven lost to Appalachian State. Everybody remembers that loss. I mean, Michigan was ranked fifth in the country coming into that game. You lose on the blocked field goal. Um, they ended up getting crushed by Oregon the next week, thirty-nine to seven. So now they're zero and two. Everybody at that point is probably like, Michigan's going to be four and eight this year. They're horrible. Right? You lose to an FCS team, you lose by 32 to an unranked Oregon team. At the time, unranked. Um, they ended up winning their next, like, eight games. And they finished 9-4. and four. They beat Tim Tebow in the, the Capital One Orange Bowl. Or, not the Orange Bowl. Capital One. I don't know. Whatever the bowl that is. Capital One Bowl. Isn't it just the Capital One I think bowl? it just was the Capital One Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Virginia Tech in 2010. They lost their opener to Boise State. Next week, they play James Madison, and they lose. So now they're 0-2. They lost to an FCS team. They ended hey, up. James Madison is a, a known know. good is, FCS team. Yeah, I don't know how they were in 2010 though. Um, Virginia Tech ends up winning the next 11 games, wins the ACC, goes to the Orange Bowl where they played Stanford. I'm not saying obviously KU was at a different point than Virginia Tech was a top 15 preseason team. Michigan was top five preseason team. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Oh, if KU loses the FCS game, they could win their next 12 games. I'm just saying, comparatively, if you were to take what Virginia Tech and Michigan did and apply it to Kansas standards, there is a case that you just played poorly, and then all of a sudden you win five and seven. Which, by the way, how annoying would that be if Kansas finished five and seven this year and you lost to an FCS game to prevent you from? Yeah, no, a that bowl? goes back to my argument that if you're gonna do that, just be four and eight. <laughs> or three and nine. Because all, all I'm being, year, I'm, I am so very deadly serious. All about year that. you would be like, yes, I am so we just serious. Just had to beat an FCS team. That's just all go we four had and eight do, at right? that point. It just, just please do not finish five and seven. But I guess for me, I still would view it as like, and and it is easier for me to say this now. In the moment, if you do lose that game, obviously there would be a lot of things that went wrong, and that would not look good. That would make you think, yeah, they're worse than maybe I thought they were going to be. Um, what if what if we take this step further though? What if I told you that they lost this FCS game, but Jalen Daniels was injured and couldn't play in it? Would that make you feel a little better? Would that make no. you feel like they could still make a bowl game when Jalen was back? Maybe. Okay. No, I don't know. Probably not. Because I mean, in in there, there's if two ways of looking a, at I mean, this, right? There's the well, way of looking at it where it's like that I, I picked just, them to win that game. Now it's a loss. It's only a one game difference. And there's the other way of looking at it, which is like, well, they lost that game that clearly shows they have a lot more holes. Right? I uh, Like, if Jalen Daniels is, which, by the way, I am creeping closer to the thought process of if Lance is just going to keep doing the, oh, we'll see next week, whole shenanigans it's thing, just, just, just rest him for the Missouri State game. Just play Jason Bean. Just don't even play Jalen Daniels for the Missouri State game. I'm getting to that level. Mm -hmm. Okay? Which, in that scenario, if Jason Bean goes out, and that you lose to Missouri State with Jason Bean, knowing that Jalen Daniels would be then coming back in week two, I would probably feel... You feel slightly better. Uh, more okay with it, yeah. I guess. I would still be very, 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 very upset and really annoyed and just Well, it's like you should angry. be able to win this game even with Cole Ballard as the starting quarterback. You should. You should be able to run all over him. You should be able to do enough defensively that yeah, it shouldn't dude. matter. Yeah. Against Missouri State, you should be able to win with me at quarterback. Right. It should be, hike, hand it off. Hike, Hand it off. 
Hand it off. That's it. That should yeah. be your game plan. HP dive every play. Yeah. So I'll say this. I, I don't think it would be as dis- – when I think back to the most disastrous FCS losses over the last decade plus, uh, certainly the the loss to North Dakota State would go up there. But I think part it's of pretty that – it, it, you know, looking back how good North Dakota State's been, it, it's not as disastrous, especially because the next week you beat a ranked Georgia Tech team. Nichols' loss was I bad. think the, the North Dakota State one gets propped up more because of the score. It was 6-3, to three, <laughs> so it makes it like so much more torturous. Oh, the yeah. Nichols' State one, to me, is honestly the one that rings out the most. Nichols is a great program, though. Yeah, I know it is, but like... Even, I don't know, the South Dakota State one where Montel Cozart fumbled the uh, the spike attempt, that was That's pretty bad. brutal, too. But that team was like 0-12, so it was like, what are we doing here? With the Nichols State team, that team had some talent on the roster. That was like, that team went 3-9, and nine. that was the Puka Williams freshman year when he was unbelievable. You had Joe Deneen, uh, yeah. Bryce Tornado, to where like, if they win that game, they're 4-8. and eight. You got close to winning the Texas game. You got close to winning a couple other games. Like, I mean, that dude, team wasn't that far two off Two years ago. Game. Two years ago, we would have been over the moon about a four and eight season. Yeah, but I guess for me, like that proved that that team was still competitive the rest of the way. They still won three games, and that team wasn't as good as this team is. That even if they lose this game, I still think they could make a bowl game at that point. Probably at that point, it would readjust my projections that I'd be like, yeah, you're probably more of a four or five win team at that point. But I don't think it's nearly the end of the world as it has been for some of the recent FCS losses. So on one hand, that's a good thing. But on the other hand, there is a lot of pressure to win this game because and to win it big because that's kind of the program you're hoping that you have now become, no, that you okay. have no longer need to stress these games. You don't have to win it big, I, I don't think. Just when big. I say big, I don't mean 55. I mean like win it by 20 Double plus. digits. Win it by 17 plus at least. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We got some uh, KU football player audio coming up next. Trace Lotta of the Kansas City Star will join us after that. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're joined now by Shreyas Lotta of the Kansas City Star. You can check out his work at KansasCity.com as well. Uh, one of the things that was mentioned yesterday was talking about the special teams and some of the different analysts that they have. Sean Snyder, uh, as part of media day with or uh, just a media availability with Lance Leipold. What to you is your confidence level in the special teams at this point? Because last year it was you know maybe one of the bottom 10, 15, 20 units in the country um, in not just being you know slightly better than they were last year, but being a competent, being a good group overall. I think they're going to be really good. I mean, I believe it. Sean Snyder has the resume to back it up. He's won multiple awards. He brought USC to uh, a top-five group both years uh, that he was coaching them. Uh, and, and Kansas has gone out and gotten guys from the portal to make sure their kicking game isn't the last in the Big 12 anymore, field goal percentage-wise. Uh, Charlie Weinrich and, and Seth Keller battling for that starting position job. Uh, and I think it, you know... They should be a lot better than last year just because they have guys who have done it before at the college football level, and Seth Keller, who's a very good kicker, um, and he was getting a lot of praise yesterday from my poll. He's gotten some praise before, too. Um, you know, just to have a guy that they can trust to hit from, you know, 40, 45, consistently he's going to make this offense that was ranked top 10 in the nation in uh, yards per completion even better. Um, and... You know, they brought in the Australian punter in Damon Greaves, and, and you've seen it in practice. He's booming some punts, Australian style. So I feel a lot more confident about KU special teams uh, than I would have before April rolled around. 
Now, one of the the kind of side uh, side quests of of that the comments and everything about special teams was in regards to kind of aggressiveness on fourth down from Lance Leipold, and he he made some comments about you know if we had a, a fourth and three at the thirty yard line, do we take the points? And kind of made it sound like more they're going to be interested in getting the points than going for those fourth downs. Um, did did you take it that way that that it made it sound like to me that they weren't going to be as aggressive on fourth downs this year? I think it's interesting where, you know, I looked at it as he said, we have a reliable kicker now. I feel more comfortable for us not to have to go for a fourth down. But that doesn't mean that this situation doesn't call for it. And because the way football is rolled, where analytics kind of favors going for a fourth down, um, that we wouldn't go, like the Kansas would not go for it. Uh, so I think it's going to be one of those things where, like he said, having a reliable you know, kicker back there is going to make it a lot easier in clutch situations when you need three points at minimum uh, to come out of a drive. It's going to be great. Uh, but I expect, you know, as long as Jalen is healthy, I think Kansas will probably still go for a decent amount of fourth down because that offense is so dynamic and, and explosive. Well, yeah, that's that becomes the question to me because if, if it is going to be, you know, you're not going to go for it as much. I think they had the second fewest uh, fourth down attempts last season, which – you compare that to 2021, and they were one of the most aggressive teams in the conference in going for those fourth downs. I would just think that uh, with some of the struggles they've had on the defensive end and, and with that offensive side of the ball being the strength, um, as much as you want the special teams to be better, I would be a little bit worried if that's going to cause you to you know punt more from the 40 on a, a fourth and four or kick more tough field goals mm. that are you know from the 30-yard line on a fourth and three. I, I don't know that that's the best strategy for this team. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree there. I mean, I'm always anti-punting if you can help it. Uh, I think, especially with an offense led by Jim Daniels and these running backs, that you can get four or five yards relatively easily uh, just because of how, you know, how much of the playmaking genius Kotalinki is. Um, but I think in a way it'll be good because now in a situation like I mentioned, you know, when you need three points at least, you have a feeling that you're going to make it maybe 70, 80% of the time for these field goals instead of, you know, they, they're 53.8%, you know, field goal percentage-wise. That's terrible. It was bottom of the Big 12. You know, they had a lot of injuries in position last year, but they clearly need an upgrade, and, and both the guys they brought in are clear upgrades from who they had last year uh, and who's transferred to uh, Vanderbilt. But, you know, I think it's going to be interesting because, I think, like you said, there should be a happy medium here. Like, you should go for a fourth down because the offense is that good, uh, more often than not. But if you're having the chance and you need three points deep in, you know, 40, you know, 45 yard line or whatever, why not go for a field goal? We're talking with Trace Lotta of the Kansas City Star and KansasCity.com here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, as part of an article that, that you did with uh, some of your cohorts uh, going over some players to watch for all the area schools from Kansas, Kansas State, Missouri heading into the year, you added your five players to watch for KU football this year. I'm curious, who who was a player, maybe two, that did not make it into the top five that you most wanted to put on there but you just couldn't get there? Honestly, Kobe Bryant. Uh, I, I've talked extensively with Scott about this because I, I watch a lot of his tape, and he's kind of like the digs of Kansas football, where his big plays are really, really impressive, and you know they work out 
decent run time, but when he whiffs, he whiffs bad, and that leads to big yard situations or getting burned. Um, and the last year was the only Jayhawk that was you know, first team all Big 12. And I, I don't know if you can expect him to be that, like, you know, that level of caliber player if he is gambling as much as he is. And this Kansas defense needs consistently more than anything. So if you're if one of your corners or T-Bash or whatever is gambling as much as he does and it doesn't pay off or lead to picks or, you know, deflections or whatever, you know, that could be kind of a mess. I really think he's going to be an interesting player to watch because, I mean, he has NFL aspirations and he's grown a lot as a, as a leader, as a player. Um, he, he talked to me about how his role and relationship with Lance, he considers him the second father. Um so I think he's really fascinating in the sense where he just needs to find that happy medium between gambling for when he needs to gamble, but don't go for the big play every time. Otherwise, I think he's going to get burned. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a good one. And uh, if he can take that next step up and be more of the lockdown guy too, I think it would uh, certainly help out the defense. Now, you also did a uh, article, five bold predictions for the team and predicted how the season would, would pan out week to week. What do you think is more likely um, – it, would it be getting to eight wins, or do you think it would be getting to four wins? Oh, uh, well, I, I expect them to easily hit four, to be honest with you. I, I look at the schedule when everyone's talking about how tough it is, but I, I, you know, I was just doing a lot of research on these teams, but, you know, they're not as tough as I thought they'd be. Like this OSU team that is historically pretty, you know, good, they're really mid tier, middle of the conference team that lost a lot or a lot of, uh, talent uh ucf is good but kansas should win that game especially if they're coming off a texas loss um and you know they they really should start the season forward out they should start off hot like last year because there's no reason they should lose to illinois or nevada really nevada is not a good team uh and illinois has a guy that just transferred into the name quarterback uh you know this is it'll be a good test for them to see uh you know how good kansas defense has been but i think four is is you know, obviously more of a reasonable goal, but I look at the schedule and I think if Jalen is healthy every one of those games, they're winning seven at least, yeah. minimum. No, I, I tend to agree with you. I think I'd, I'd go eight over four as being the more likely option of the two. Uh, what was the toughest game for you to try to figure out as you were going through the schedule week to week? Ooh, honestly, I think it was, there was a part of me trying to figure out what upsets I wanted, and I was like looking, because there's a ton of 50-50, 60-40 games. You know, like they haven't won Stillwater since 2007. I predicted they win against Oklahoma State there. Is it likely that they win there? Not super high, but I don't also think this Oklahoma State team is, is super good, per se. Um, you know, so that was a tough one. There's a part of me that really wanted to pick them to upset Texas, but I, I just don't see them upsetting Texas. Uh, I picked them to upset Oklahoma because I think this Oklahoma team is has a lot of the, like you know issues they had last year was really a mirror to Kansas football. Uh, you know they were really good on offense. They were uh, a top 120 defense, which what Kansas was 127, um, and you know their special teams was a decent amount better than Kansas. But it felt like they're pretty evenly matched in a lot of ways. Obviously, the talent in the uh, offensive line, defensive line is a little bit of a, uh, a advantage for Oklahoma, which is how big some of those guys are. Um, but I think this is the year KU comes out with a win against Oklahoma, which they haven't done in, I think it was what, I don't know, it was 2009 or, or 97. I can't remember which one 
Uh, it was, but I was looking into it. I was like, God, like they've lost 18 straight to Oklahoma. And, you know, I feel like this is a good year. Why not for Kansas to do it? If, you know, with Jalen Daniels and these running backs and Lance Lightfoot, if they are for real and, you know, they're leaving the conference next year, there's a little more enthusiasm and more of a, uh, a little bit of a kick to, you know, leave them with an L, I guess. Talking with Shreyas Lada of the Kansas City Star here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, the Jalen Daniels injury stuff continues to be kind of unanswered to this point. Uh, feels like every week we're, we're getting a chance to talk to Lance Leipold. It's kind of, you know, well, we'll, it, we'll talk about it next week. And then we, we haven't really had a chance to, to dig deeper into it the next week. Um, what would be your worry level about Jalen and, and whatever he's dealing with right now from, from kind of that back injury over the course of camp? To be honest with you, I'm starting to get pretty worried. Um, you know, like the fact that we asked about it, and he basically was like, well, we'll talk about it next week. But he keeps on pushing the can down the road. And we've been doing this for about three weeks now, since, what, August 7th? He said August 7th. He was like, well, I'm not worried about it. If it's an issue in one week, I'll start worrying about it. And then the next week when he asked about it, he was like, oh, well, he hasn't still practiced, but we expect him back by the weekend or early uh, this week. And then we asked about it yesterday. And it was, uh, well, you know, there he's progressing and he's going through it. If it is just a, a back strain or, you know, back tightness or whatever, you know, that's fine. But why is the recovery process and, you know, all this taking so long? Why can't you definitively say that, he, hey, he's practicing or he's back or whatever? Um, and there's a little bit of a worry because I, I've said it before. I think this entire season really hinges on his health and the running back's health because as good as whatever the special teams might be in, and the defense takes a step up, big or not, Jalen Daniels is the catalyst for Kansas's offense. And, you know, as good as Jason Bean is, uh, you know, I, I really believe in Jalen and his ability to be a quarterback. I mean, one of my bold predictions was he's a Heisman finalist, and he was. I mean, you know, he was a Heisman contest for five games last year. So the fact that he's already kind of starting with a little bit of injury issues worries me a little bit. But, you know, until they definitively say he's not, you know, playing game one, I think it's still just okay to be a worry, but not fret about it until that definitely happens, if it happens. Well, if if we do hear from the next time that we hear from Lance Leipold sometime uh, early next week, if we do hear again that, you know, it's kind of a, a non-answer, we hear that he's not practicing or, you know, it's it's kind of a game-time thing, how would that on game week, and again, I don't know that that's going to be the case, just hypothetically here, if that does happen, how would that change your view of, like, like would you – re-go through the schedule and, and knock a win off here or there for Kansas just because you're you're worried about what the long-term full-season health picture would look like? Yeah, I mean, if if there was, if we knew, like, Jalen was going to be out an extended period of time, not just Missouri State, because, you know, they should beat Missouri State pretty easily with Jalen, with Ballard, with being it doesn't matter who. You know, that that's not an issue. But if there was, hey, he's going to be out extended four or five weeks, you know, God forbid, I would probably knock off a couple of games. I don't think they'd win against UCS. I think the Illinois game could become a real hairy situation. They should beat Nevada, but that could become a toss-up. Um, there, it becomes a lot bigger of a, you know, I don't know. Maybe this isn't the Kansas team that we thought they were. Because as good as Jason Bean was last year, it's clear you know, the schedule got tougher uh, by the end of the year. And they only won one game out of the, what, the remaining seven. Uh, you know, obviously they came close in the bowl game, but I think they need Jalen healthy and they're doing everything in their power to kind of 
make sure he's eased back in. I mean, look at the fact that he manages reps in spring ball. Look at the fact that he's been out all fall camp, like half of fall camp, sorry. Um, and and Jalen talks about it, you know, what uh, media availability, like media day, where he was like point blank asked, hey, if there was a game tomorrow, would you play? He's like, absolutely. So, you know, they're, they're obviously being cautious about it, but I'm sure there is maybe with the way it's going and the okay, fact that we haven't really got a, a definitive answer um, that there's something lingering or maybe he's not 100% yet or whatever. But if, if it becomes a thing where he's missing multiple weeks past Missouri State, yeah, I, I think the my optimism from the win eight, nine games becomes a lot smaller, uh, if not non-existent. I have some uh, either-or questions for you crossing over between a couple different KU sports. More minutes per game for Johnny Furphy or touchdowns for whoever's KU's uh, leading receiver in touchdown receptions? Ooh, okay. Um, I'm going to go minutes per game for Johnny Furphy. I think, I think he's going to probably play about 15 minutes a game. So, <laughs> Okay. You know, I think he's going to have a good role. More wins for KU women's basketball or touchdown passes for KU quarterbacks? Ooh, that's a tough one. Hmm. I'm going to go touchdown passes for KU quarterbacks. I think they're going to be, you know, it's a good group, you know, between Jalen and uh, Jason. And, you know, obviously withstanding the health stuff. But if Jalen's going to put together a Heisman type year, uh, it's going to be a high touchdown total. Okay. And the last one I've got for you here, more rushing touchdowns for Devin Neal or three-pointers made by K.J. Adams? Ooh. Okay, rushing touchdowns. Rushing touchdowns pretty easily. <laughs> I don't think K.J.'s going to bring out the, the, the three-point ball that much. All right, looked good in Puerto Rico, though. It did, it did. I mean, as a K.J. Adams truther, uh, you know, it, it's making me look good. So I just don't think he's going to do it as much as we think. It's going to probably be like maybe one or two attempts per game, if that. Okay. All right, he's Shreyas Lada. You can check out all his work, Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. Shreyas, appreciate the time as always, man. Have a good rest of your week. You too, guys. Appreciate having me. That was Shreyas Lada, Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com, joining us here today on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We got RCST football trivia coming at you. Then we're going to have our college football betting preview after that. Still another KU football superlative segment. And uh, we're going to be joined as well by a special guest coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk, RCST football trivia, getting ready for the quarterfinals here. Brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, McDonald's, Lawrence Shirt Factory, and Mr. D's Auto Wash. With 23rd Street Brewery, you can get dine-in, carry-out, catering, all available. Try the Bill Stuff mac and cheese, Haney Turkey Stack, or any of the great menu items. Don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery beer, which you can get to go with their Crowlers. It is 11-seed Aaron Mayer versus 3-seed Isaac Henderson. Aaron had a slow start, but he's he's hot right now. This is this is kind of the equivalent of you know in baseball how like now with the postseason they have six teams in on each side. The top two seeds get buys, yeah. and you have some team who's like the wild card who they they had an up and down regular season, but you now they're like hot the like the Phillies 2014 last year. Royals, yeah, or the or the Royals in twenty fourteen. There you go. That's a, that's a great example. <laughs> they win the wild card, and then they play you off a buy. And maybe you're a little cold to start, and they're hot. That's something Isaac's going to have to overcome. That'll make today's matchup very interesting. 
Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this matchup for the reasons that you outlined. And obviously, you have Isaac, who is at this point maybe the undisputed goat of trivia. Uh, but Aaron has been Aaron has been a reliable competitor when you go to basketball and football. He's he's a really smart guy. Definitely knows his stuff. So I have high expectations for what this matchup will deliver. Yep, uh, RCST football trivia brought to you by Jayhawk Trophy with custom awards and engraving experts in Lawrence. Check them out on 6th Street or look at their wide inventory online. Also brought to you by Lawrence Shirt Factory with all your customized gear for creation from t-shirts to hats to jackets, whatever you need done, Lawrence Shirt Factory. Check them out in Lawrence right next to Munchers. All right, into our uh, lone quarterfinal matchup of the day. So we have our first quarterfinal matchup of RCST football trivia with three more scheduled tomorrow. And uh, this should be a good one. 11 seed Aaron Mayer, who is 3-1, 43 points over his four matchups. Isaac Henderson, 3-0, 36 total points. So Isaac averaging 12 points a matchup. Aaron at just under 11. That means this should be fun. Winner moves on to the uh, semifinals round. And Aaron, you started the year 0-1. You had just three points in an overtime loss. Since then, you have bounced back. You made it into the postseason. You won the 23rd Street Brewery Wave the Wheat Bowl. Now you're playing in the Johnny's Wilson Wings Bowl. Does it feel like you're you're kind of playing just cherry on top at this point in time after how it started? Or have things reset once they've gone into the playoffs and, and now you feel that normal pressure that you would feel headed into a matchup like this? Uh, no, I don't feel any pressure. I, um, like you said, I, I started out bad and I, uh, I really squeaked my way into the playoffs. I, um, I'm, I'm lucky to be here. I'm going to have a lot of fun and, uh, just take it one question at a time. Isaac, meanwhile, you had a bye week to get ready for the Johnny's Wilson Wings Bowl, and that's because you went 3-0 and during the regular season. Have you done anything special during the bye week, or uh, was that just kind of a lost week for you? Yeah, it's kind of a, that debate of do you want the, the rest and the, the week off, to, but is, is there going to be some rest coming back, or do you want to play in, in the first round and, and you know get that first question out of the way with, with the extra pressure here? But um, took the week, and uh, hopefully we're in a better spot, but uh, I guess we guess we'll find out here. All right, well, uh, this will be an intro for all the other quarterfinalists upcoming. And for the listeners, just to let you know, we have one rule change for the postseason once we get to the quarterfinal round and on. This is like when, you know, we get to a certain round in our basketball, we cut out the really easy questions and go straight to the easy. Our, our rule for the quarterfinals and on is that after the first four rounds of questions are asked, we do have a fifth round of question, and whoever is losing will get to choose what they want to answer to try to come back from the score. So if you're down three, do you try to answer a question worth six to go up three? Do you try to answer a question worth seven so that they can't hit an easy question? There's some strategy involved there, but you got to hit the question, obviously. And then the second person would get a chance to rebuttal if the first person who's losing uh, were to hit the question. So, uh, Aaron, you are the lower seed here. You have the option on the coin toss. Do you want heads or tails? Heads. All right. It is heads. And so, Aaron, would you like to go first or would you like to go second? Second. All right, so Isaac, you're going to start things off in the easy category. These are worth three points in the first quarter. Isaac, the second most receiving yards in one bowl game by an individual Jayhawk was 167 of them from this wideout wearing number 11 in the 2022 Liberty Bowl. It'd be Luke Grimm. Would be Luke Grimm. And that's a, a heck of a performance to finish out the season. And who knows? Maybe he can be a 1,000-yard receiver this year. All right, Aaron, your first question. The most points scored by a Jayhawk in a bowl game by an individual was 18 of them from this wideout wearing number 80 
in the 2008 Insight Bowl? Briscoe. That's right. Briscoe. Desmond Briscoe, the correct answer there. All right, we're tied three to three. We get through the easy round. We move on to the medium round. These are worth six points. Back to you, Isaac. Wearing the number 16 uniform, 1-6, this Jayhawk defensive back played at Kansas from 2007 to 2010. Chris Harris. Yep, Chris Harris. 16, not a uh, super usual defensive back number. I think of that more for like quarterbacks, but that is the correct answer. You're up 9-3. to three. Aaron, let's see if you can match. Wearing the number 16 uniform as a freshman. So again, 1-6, just as a freshman, this Jayhawk finished second on the 2015 team in receiving yards. Uh, can you repeat that? Yeah, wearing the number 16 uniform as a freshman, this Jayhawk finished second on the 2015 team in receiving yards. Sims? That's right, Steven Sims. I can see why you might start to hype yourself out on that one, but sometimes the best way to go through answers is, okay, is this a medium question? Probably going to be a more notable name. Is it a hard question? Might be a harder one. Let's get to the hard round. It is 9-9 to at halftime. Isaac, back to you for seven points. What Kansas running back owns the all-time record for career 200-yard games with five of them? Ah, uh, guess we'll, we'll go with the leader. We'll go June. We'll go June Henley. That was a good, educated guess. June Henley is the correct answer. That's worth seven points, and you take a sixteen to nine lead. Back to you, Aaron. What Kansas quarterback is the only Jayhawk QB to lead the conference in rushing yards per game? Cromwell. Woo! That was a quick fire. You knew that one right away. Nolan Cromwell, the correct answer. And we are tied 16 all. All right, into the hard, the really hard round. These are now worth eight points. We're going to go back to you, Isaac. We're tied 16-16. This is exactly how a uh, quarterfinal matchup should be. Isaac, wearing number 32 and number 23 along his career, this Jayhawk defensive back racked up nine pass deflections as a senior in 2013. said 2013 yes ten seconds uh is it McDonald correct answer on this one is another Dexter it's Dexter mm -hmm. Linton Dexter Linton the correct answer there all right Aaron you can't quite get the win, but if you hit this one, it would force Isaac to, to shoot another really hard here. This is worth eight points. For you, Isaac. Wearing the number 12 uniform, this Jayhawk receiver finished fourth on the 2015 team in receiving yards before he eventually transferred out of the program. What was the jersey number again? Uh. Number uh, 12, one, two, one, two. Sorry, couldn't read my writing. 
10 seconds. Uh, Harold. Harold. Harold is not the correct answer. The correct answer on this one is Darius Crawley. Darius Crawley, if that name rings a bell at all for either of you guys. All right, it is 16 to 16. So instead of doing our fifth round of questions, because there is no team that's losing, we're just going to go straight to overtime because it's the same thing at that point in time, okay? So no fifth round of questions since the score's tied, just straight to OT it goes. Um, Aaron, I gave you the opening coin toss. That means, Isaac, I'm going to give you the second coin toss here. Do you want heads or tails? Uh, Give me tails. All right. It is heads once again. So, Aaron, you going first or second? Second. All right. Aaron won last week in overtime. It was tied 16-16, I think, going into overtime, too. So let's see if history repeats itself. Isaac, that means you're up first. What category you want to answer out of? Uh, We'll go hard. Okay. Going for the hard. All right, Isaac, your question. KU lost to North Dakota State, then beat a ranked Georgia Tech team in 2010 to open up the Turner-Gill era. In week three, they ended up losing again, though, to what school? that Southern Miss? That was Southern Miss, and that is a huge hit in the hard round to give you seven points, which means, Aaron, you now have the option. Do you want a hard, or do you want to go for the really hard in the win? <laughs> no, before today, I hit two really hards in a row. Uh, man. Let's, let's stick with hard. All right. Let's stick Hard it is. There's a lot of pressure right now. All right. Your second, your uh, overtime question, Aaron. Jake Heaps surpassed 200 passing yards just once in his KU career. It came in a win against what school in 2013? I think this was Louisiana Tech. Seconds. That is correct. Louisiana Tech. Matthew Wyman, I believe, was the one who hit the, the super mm-hmm. deep field goal to win them the game. And we are tied 23-all. There you go. That's right. Yeah, it was a kind of gross game, but uh-huh. they, they won. That's all that matters. All right, so now, Aaron, you go first in overtime. What do you want to answer? Uh, I'll do a medium. All right, going down <laughs> to the medium round. This one for you, Aaron. Three players threw a pass for Kansas in 2021, the first year of the Lance Leipold era. Jalen Daniels, Jason Bean, and what other quarterback? Oh, shit. 10 seconds. Uh, I don't like this. I think it's Miles Kendrick. That is correct. Miles Kendrick eventually transferred out. You get through with the uh, correct one there. That means Isaac, now you have a choice in front of you. If, if Aaron would have missed that, you could have just gone for the easy, but that means now you can go for a medium to keep things going, or you can go for a hard to get the win, or you can go for a really hard to get the win and uh, style, style points. Style yeah. Points. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll uh, we'll just we'll just go for the hard. We're not here for a long one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's your hard, Isaac. This is for the win. Either way, on November twenty second of nineteen seventy five, what Jayhawk running back torched the Missouri defense for two hundred and thirty six rushing yards? a top 10 individual mark all time at Kansas. Said 75? Yes. Ten seconds. Starting to regret that decision. Um... (laughs) Throw something out there. Tony Sands. The correct answer hey, I, is... I answer? Yeah, you got it? Uh, is it Laverne Smith? It is Laverne Smith. Mm-hmm. Laverne Smith was the correct answer there. Uh, Aaron, that is a heck of a way to battle through for the victory there. Uh, which question do you look back on and you're like, I can't believe I got that one right That that's going to allow me to advance here? Um, Honestly, I knew that Louisiana Tech one right off the bat, but I just wanted to make sure... The Miles Kendrick one really had me struggling. I thought he left in 2020 or uh, after 2020 because um, I think you and Nick were talking about him uh, on yesterday's show. Yeah. Hey, what school and did he transfer to, Derek? I Mexico. also bet a lot on Miles Kendrick uh, on his like passing yards, uh, and that did not work out well. So that's <laughs> that's the one that really stressed me out. Well, uh, Isaac, tough way to lose, but I mean, you, you got to hold your head high after this. Was there a question that? I don't know, one way or another, you felt like, man, I wish I would have got his question or just a different strategy in overtime. Or I, I don't know. What do you take away from this matchup? No, I mean, you, you double overtime, obviously great matchup. You get in the playoffs, you're playing tough competition. Uh, so no, no, nothing, nothing to, you know, we're, we're not going to hang our head or anything about that. You know, uh, Dexter Lynn, I was, I was actually thinking about it, but mm. a part of me thought, and there's no way he's an answer to a trivia question. Um <laughs> But no, he said we, 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 we try to take a shot there to end it. It doesn't always work out, but uh, we can at least live with, uh, live with the results. So. Yeah, and, and that was I, – I appreciate the ballsiness of yourself going for the hard in the first overtime and that it really made this thing a, a fun all-time classic. So, Aaron, you're hot right now. You're moving on to the semis. Congrats. Isaac, heck of a run in the regular season, and uh, we hope to see you next year for trivia, man. Oh, before we do let you go, though, I have been giving the losers – I almost forgot about this. Whoever loses in the playoffs, I've been given an open floor to either give a KU football hot take or win-loss prediction or, I don't know, just something you're excited for for the KU football season. Would you like to take me up on that offer? Uh, well, I, I've, I've, I've gone back and forth on it. I, I think 7-5 uh, and five is where I'm at right now. If I could lock it in, I would. But a lot, a lot of coin flip games in the schedule. But as of right now, you can put me down for 7-5. and five. There we go. That's where I'm at, too. Well, guys, I appreciate the time. And, uh, Aaron, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you. Appreciate it. Wow. Aaron comes. To, that's that's our matchup of trivia so far, right? I mean, 29 uh, to 23 yeah. in double OT. High scoring, double overtime, drama, going for hard questions yeah. for wins and, and stuff like that. Like, that one was awesome. Yeah, I, I was nervous for Aaron there because when he went for the medium in the second overtime, I knew that Isaac was going to go for the win. And so that made me nervous because I, I was nervous for Aaron there uh, a bit. But you know, that hard question stumped Isaac and Aaron gets the win. And yeah, a really gutsy performance from both of those guys, right? I mean, Isaac mm-hmm. two times in a row goes for the hard and overtime, which is something that we don't always see. No, I, I uh, appreciate the courage. Yeah. I really yeah. do. So very impressive stuff there. And obviously with uh, Aaron, you know, there were some questions that he hit right away 
like the Nolan Cromwell one. So he was definitely locked in. Mm -hmm. Just an all-around great match. Yeah, knowing that Laverne Smith one at the yep. end. Yep. He's not your normal 11 seed, man. Uh, look out for him. RCSD Football Trivia brought to you by McDonald's and Mr. D's Auto Wash in the Lawrence and surrounding area. You can get your car washed, get a bite to eat, get a McFlurry or whatever you want at McDonald's with uh, Mr. D's Auto Wash. So Aaron is the official winner of the Johnny's Wilson Wing Bowl. That means he's moving on to the semifinals. He'll take on the winner of 10-seed Brad Wandell, 2-seed Blake Farrell in the McDonald's Big Mac Bowl. Um, I, I that That's a heck of a run from Aaron, man. Uh, you feel good. We heard talking uh, after the uh, matchup wrapped up. Uh, we were talking with Aaron, and, and apparently he had lost to Isaac in the second round of 2021 basketball trivia in, like, the really hard round. So this he's was a bit of redemption circle. for him. Yeah, yeah he clearly yeah, had this one circled. This, mean, this meant a little extra. All right, RCST Football Trivia brought to you by Johnny's Tavern 2023, celebrating their 70th year anniversary. There's now double-digit locations of Johnny's from Topeka to Raymore, Missouri. You can eat all the great food, try all the great beer, including the new blue-collar lager beer. You can only get a Johnny's that's brewed by Free State Brewing Company. We're going to get to our college football betting preview coming up next with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. About half past four here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to talk some KU rugby in the five o'clock hour. Another KU football superlative segment as well. Before we do any of that, though, we uh, officially have college football this weekend. It's week zero of the regular season on Saturday. Yeah. yeah Are you going to be watching? Back. Uh, yes. I'll probably watch. I'll probably tune in. I don't know that I'll like sit there and watch You know, every game. But so you're probably... not a true fan. What? You're not a true fan. Uh, yeah, you're right. I'm not a true fan of Vanderbilt, Notre Dame. No, you're not uh, a true fan of the, sport, Kentucky, of the sport of college football. Uh, whoever else, whoever the hell else is playing. Notre Dame, ever heard of them? No, yeah, They're I don't playing. Care. Yeah, who cares? They're one of the biggest brands. Navy? Oh, well, we already figured out yesterday. You don't respect the troops, so. That's not true. I do respect the troops. Uh, clearly, again, you're disrespecting the troops. No, I'm, more. no I'm respecting them. Nobody respects them more than I do. Uh, I disagree. Okay? I think. Uh, I will out-respect anybody. Say otherwise. Okay. Nobody uh, so. has more respect than me. Well, before the college football season starts, we have to do our college football betting preview. So we're going to be picking uh, favorite over-unders from each of the big conferences, conference winners. We'll do some small conferences, too. And then we'll get into some of the national stuff, college football playoffs, uh, who's going to win it all, Heisman. Obviously, this isn't our direct picks, necessarily. Like if no, you're it just is. Saying, it is our direct picks. Well, no, I mean, like, it's, it's Whatever not— Whatever we pick is going to happen. No, no, I mean, like, it's not to say that these are our, like, once we get to the college football playoff, that these are the four teams that I'm picking to make the playoff. It's not oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, It's about trying to balance who you think could make the playoff. Value. With, yeah, trying to get the best odds and trying to make the, the most potential money. So last year in college football, I made $1,144 of profit and 70 cents. Nick made $314 and 70 cents of profit in college football in our preseason bets. So let's see what we can do this year, if we can raise that number up and leave it a little more and make you a little bit more money. Okay. Um, so let's we'll just go through conference by conference. So uh, we're going to start in the ACC. We'll, we'll, we'll take a win total over under and then a conference championship pick. Yeah. So, so which team from each conference we think has the best yes. over under? So you can pick an over or an under. Who do you like? Wh what number do you like best in the ACC? All right. In the ACC... I am going with Syracuse under six and a half wins. So not a believer in the orange. Not a believer in Syracuse. And a couple reasons why. First of all, uh, their odds, it's it's at minus 150 for under six and a half. Syracuse's schedule, okay, is actually insane. 
So they're non-con. They have Colgate, Western Michigan, Purdue, and Army. You think, okay, they could probably win at least two of Three and one. Three and one. Yeah. You want to hear their first three, or let's make it four, their first four conference games in ACC? Clemson at home. At North Carolina, followed by at Florida State. L, L, L. They almost beat Clemson last year. Okay. Their next game is at Virginia Tech. Probably also going to be an L. So at that point, if you want to say they go three and one in non-con, now they're already three and five. Three and yeah, three, three and five. five. Yep. Their final games are Boston College. They should be able to win that. So we'll say they're they're four and five. Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech on the road, and Wake Forest. That's three more L's right there, folks. There you go. Four and eight, okay. under six and a half. Georgia Tech's really bad. Or no, okay, five and seven. We'll say five and seven. So Wake Forest lost a lot from last year. Wake Forest still has Sam Hartman. No, they don't. They'll be fine. I He's think, at Notre Dame. Oh, they, you're right. They don't. Okay, well, never mind. That's still going to be an L. Okay. L, 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 Syracuse, 106 and a half. All right. It's also minus 150, so you're not getting plus odds. Doesn't matter. I okay. Don't care. You don't care. Under six and a half. I'm going to do Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh over seven wins. Uh, this is a Pittsburgh team that- Oh, wait. That doesn't have plus odds. It's better than your odds, though. It's minus 120. That's closer to being even. No, I, I, I just like what this Pittsburgh program has become under Pat Narduzzi. They're just a school that that wins at a decent enough level that I feel good about the seven. I mean, last year they go nine and four. Year before, 11 and three. Year before that was the COVID year. They were six and five, so they could have got to seven. Year before that, eight wins. Year before that, seven wins. Then there's a five-win year. Then eight wins, eight wins. So, I mean, this is a team that just consistently wins seven, eight, nine games. If you get to seven, you're at least pushing here. If you get eight or more, you're you're feeling good and, and you have the victory here. They should be a team that has a good defense this year. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they, they lose their quarterback to the transfer portal. But, you know, I, I look at the non-conference slate here. Wofford should be a win. Cincinnati and West Virginia probably can go one and one there. Uh, the, the difficulty is the schedule in terms of you have Notre Dame, Florida State, and North Carolina. But outside of those, at Duke, Boston College, at Wake hey, Forest, Louisville, Virginia Tech. I mean, those are games that are winnable enough for them that I think they can at least get to seven, if not eight wins. They've been one of the better teams in the ACC the last couple of years. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh over seven wins. What about to win yeah. the conference? Oh, we're going to win the conference. Okay. In yeah. the ACC, listen, here's the deal. I, don't, I didn't want to pick Clemson. But Florida, so Clemson's plus one forty-five. Florida State plus one fifty. Those, that's just, I just, I didn't want to go with either one of those. So I, I, I went with a long shot here or a longer shot. I went with North Carolina plus thousand. North Carolina with uh, Drake May. Yep, your believer in uh, in Drake May. Um, I, I, I actually kind of like that pick, and I like the plus odds that you can get there. I just at the end of the day, like I. I think it's, it's going to be probably going to be Clemson State. or Florida State, but I just I don't know. This is just they're boring. boring no, it pick. is. It is because both those schools are, are around plus one something. I think Clemson's plus one forty five. Yeah, one forty five, one fifty. Yeah. Yeah, Florida State's one fifty. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am going to go with Clemson. This is a team whose whose defense was excellent a season ago. Uh, they had the, some of the inconsistencies at quarterback. Ended up going with Cade Clublink at the end of the year, and he was inconsistent too at the end of the year as a true freshman. But wait, you want to club me? That's not club very Nick. nice. Oh, I see. Aha. Why would um, you want to club me? That's rude. I have plenty of reasons. Violence is never the answer. He was the former number one quarterback in the recruiting class. Five-star kid. I expect him to take a big jump this next year. Uh, you still have Shipley back at running back. I, I, don't, I, I do have questions about the explosiveness of the offense around him because it feels like 
Gone are the days where they do have the Justin Ross, T. Higgins, Travis Etienne's of the world. It feels like they're they're less explosive on the outside. But I, I think the quarterback play will raise up. I trust the defense each and every year. I think this year the Clemson uh, wins the ACC again. I know the odds aren't great at plus 145. I just I think that highly of them. And I as much as I do think Florida State's a good team, I'm not quite buying the hype that I'm not buying the hype. Either. They're going to be this. That's why I don't want to pick them. Yeah, I think they're a top 25 team. Cool. I I don't buy them as the ACC. So yeah, I actually agree with you. Like if I to a certain extent, if I wasn't going with Clemson, I would be going with North Carolina because I I you know those 10 to one odds are. Are tempting, and North Carolina made the title game last year, and they lost to Clemson. So maybe they have a chip on their shoulder with Drake May and what he can do. Yep. But I am just going to go chalk here, and I'm going to go with uh, Clemson at plus one forty-five. Ooh, on to the uh, the Big Ten. Who do you like from a over/under win perspective? All right, from my over/under win perspective, I am going with Penn State over nine and a half. Now, I'm thinking Penn State nine and a half wins. That, that's a lot of wins. Well, let me take you through their cupcake walk in the park of a schedule, okay? These clowns do not play anybody. Nobody. West Virginia, Delaware, at Illinois is uh, admittedly maybe a game they could lose, but I don't know. Illinois is going to be coming off of a terrible loss to Kansas. They're going to be coming off of a game which they lose by 5 million points to Kansas. They're going to be demoralized. They're going to think their season's over. They just lost by a bajillion points to KU. Season's over. Then they post Penn State. Yeah, see ya. Win for Penn State. Uh, Iowa at home, seven to three win for Penn State. Northwestern, UMass. Now here's here's the deal with Penn State's schedule. They have two games that are tough: Ohio State and Michigan. They have both of them on the schedule. I think Iowa's a good team. They go they go at Ohio they go at Ohio State in the middle of the year, and they go they have Michigan at home later on in the season. Okay, those are the two tough games. But even if they lose both those games. Every other game, I am confident they're going to be favored by probably at least a touchdown. Seriously. And every other game they play. So, all, even if they lose to Michigan and Ohio State, 10-2, and two, the, the bet hits, W. W for me, W for you, if you bet on it. I don't hate this one. I just don't love it either because with Penn State, if you are going to lose both the Ohio State and Michigan games, which Dude. I should- UMass, Indiana, no, Maryland, know, but Rutgers, football, Michigan man. State. That's the rest of their it's schedule. college football. You're not going to win every game your favorite. There's going to be a game you get upset. And if they get upset in one game, that's all it takes. One game, and they lose to Michigan and Ohio State, which James Franklin is 4-14 four and 14 against Michigan and Ohio State combined. Then you're kind no, of screwed. They are fine. This is, this is, this Penn might State be, is also 48th. This might be my biggest okay. lock I could ever think okay. of. They're like, 48th in the country. Take the bank. Cash the check already. All right. You've already won. This is the easiest W you're ever going to get. All right. They're 48th in the country in returning production, including just 97th on offense. They've they got Drew, what's his face? The five-star QB. Drew Aller or something like that. Lead them to the that. promised land. Uh, they are They're, 29th in strength of schedule, for what it's worth. I'm telling you. No, I, w I don't hate it. Again, minus 150, though. I, I wish those odds were better. Uh, Wisconsin, I'm going to take them over 8.5. This is minus 145. I'm really high on what Wisconsin's going to be this year. They've been a really good defense over the last handful of years. ESPN SB Plus coming into the year has them number 10 defensively. The problem has been the offense. They haven't had much passing game, and they have a great running back in Braylon Allen, but they haven't been able to get him to the level of maybe where some of those guys with Brett Bielema were, like your Melvin Gordons of the world. They have a new coach, Luke Fickle. I think very highly of him. Um, I expect him to I – mean, I mean, they brought in the offense coordinator from North Carolina. They're yep. going to pass a little more. Tanner Mordecai comes over from SMU. Um, I, th- I think the offense is going to be good enough. I look at their schedule. Their schedule is one where I'm like, you could legitimately go 10-2 and two 
and that would clearly be the over. I think they're, like, I actually am thinking they're going to win 10 games, to be completely honest. Um, and, and I don't know, the, their strength of schedule is only 59th in the country. I mean, that's a really good strength of schedule for this team. Uh, when you look at who they're playing this year, they, you know, they, 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 they get Ohio you know, State. That's the only preseason top 25 AP team outside of Iowa that they play. So I think they can get to 10-2, and two, at the very least 9-3. and three. I love the over here for 8.5. You know who else uh, Luke Fickle brought over from Cincinnati with him? Their social media social guy. Social media guy, that's right. Uh, what about to win the conference? I'm doubling down on Penn State here. Okay. Give me Penn State again, plus 550. Uh, obviously, Michigan and Ohio State are the two main favorites. And if you're Penn State, all you have to do is beat one of them and win the rest of your games. You're 11-1. and one. You're, That's probably getting you into the Big Ten title game. Boom. There you go. I'm tempted by Wisconsin at plus 750. Um, Iowa at plus 1200 is kind of interesting because they could very easily, I think, be in over Wisconsin, and then you just got to win the Big Ten title game. But uh, I I think it's just better to to choose from that division with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. I am going to go with Michigan. Ohio State's the slight favorite. Michigan's at plus 175. Um, Spoiler alert, Michigan is my team that I'm picking to win the national title this year. So I'm going to pick them to win the Big Ten. Wow. Uh, They are 21st in returning production offensively, third on defense, fourth overall. Uh, It's just a really good team. I think J.J. McCarthy takes a big step up this year. Quarterback, everything else around him is is set and good to go. So, uh, yeah, give me Michigan at plus 175. I'm kind of going shock here early. Wow. Okay, Big 12. Who do you like uh, win loss perspective? In the Big 12, I am going with West Virginia under four and a half wins. Okay. These boys stink. Okay, and if you look at their schedule. They have a they have a fairly tough Big Twelve schedule. Also, I don't I don't see how they're going to get to to four and a half wins. Is that the number right? Four and a half. Yeah, four and a half. Yeah, four and a half. I mean, yeah, I don't think if last year though five. No, last year they were four and eight. Okay, last year they were four and eight. They got Penn State, L, Duquesne. I guess fair, fine, W versus Pitt rivalry game. It's a rivalry game, so like they no, could they were win. five and seven last year. Are they five. They were five and seven yeah. last year. Oh, okay. Well. Anyways, versus Pitt, rivalry game. They could win, but I don't think they will. They start off conference play with Texas Tech and TCU. Probably two games they're going to lose. Then they go at Houston, which Houston's another team that's projected to be pretty bad, but it's on the road. You know, probably might win that one. They also have to go at UCF, BYU. They go at Oklahoma, and they finish the year with Baylor also on the road. So I don't see many opportunities for wins here. Cincinnati, they play Cincinnati. I think that's a rivalry game also uh, for them. That's a rekindling of an old rivalry, which that game is at home. Maybe they win that one. But I just, I'm not seeing a lot of opportunities for W's here. The fact that I see them going one and two in conference, in non con, I don't see them getting four conference wins. There could be an interesting part of that one where it's like um, if. The head coach gets fired, Neil Brown, midseason. What does that do to them? Yeah, right? yeah. I just, I just, if they're gonna go again, if they're gonna go one and two in non-con, I don't see them getting four conference wins. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna go with Oklahoma State. We we've been kind of low on Oklahoma State, and to be clear, I'm low on them for like if you want to say they're gonna win the Big Twelve, but the over under is only six and a half, and it's minus one fifteen, and this is just a trust Mike Gundy thing. Uh, Mike Gundy said, took over in 2005. That year they went four and seven, but from 2006 on. They have won seven games every single season. Now, some of those, the seventh win was in a bowl game, which this is just regular season betting, so you wouldn't win all of those. But 
Point being, he has been one of the most consistent coaches and programs in the Big 12. I'm just going to count on the program here. Give me Oklahoma State over 6.5 at minus 115. What about to win the Big 12? To win the Big 12, I am going with Oklahoma. I can't pick Kansas State. I don't want to pick Texas. I, I, I don't know. I just I, I hate the pick, but I, I you got me in a corner here. Yeah. I can't pick Kansas State. I'm not going to pick TCU again. Texas. Uh, to win it again, yeah, it's, I should it's, say. It's terrible. Tempted by Baylor at 18-1, to 1, a little bit there. Um, that would be something I might sprinkle. Texas at plus 100. The fact that Texas is a, a bigger favorite to win the Big 12 than Clemson is the ACC or Michigan is the Big 10. I know those schools have other ones to contend with, but I don't know. Just give me – I'm going the same way. Oklahoma at uh, plus yeah, 350. I, I hate it, but I don't know what else to do. All right, what about the Pac-12 or Pac-4, whatever you want to call it? Arizona under five wins. Mm. Arizona under five. Not buying Jed Fish. Not buying it at all. So listen to their first. Uh, I guess Stanford's not going to be very good probably anymore, right? But no, I don't know, maybe not. they're projected like I think they're over so under like two and a half. They're no, it's that low, really. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I didn't realize that. Well, anyways, you look at the Pac-12 schedule. They have Washington and USC back to back. So they play Washington, USC, and Oregon State three out of four games consecutively. Probably not going to win those three games. They also have to play UCLA. They go at Colorado, which is like sneakily a game they might lose because, you know, maybe at that point Coach Prime's got them rolling. And they also have to play Utah. So I just don't see it. I don't see how they get to five wins. The The positive here for Arizona is they're probably going to go two and one in non-con at least because their non-conference schedule is Northern Arizona, UTEP, and Mississippi State. They can beat Northern Arizona and UTEP. So if they beat Mississippi State, I might be starting to sweat this bet a little bit, but... I don't see a lot of chances for them to get a ton of wins in conference play. Arizona under five. I'm going UCLA under eight and a half, and I like that this is plus 105 as well. Uh, they're 28th in preseason ESPN SP Plus, so that could put them around. They're 13th in offense, but just 63rd on defense. I have questions about the defense, and I don't think the offense is going to work out that way. Maybe it does because you trust Chip Kelly. It's a true freshman starting quarterback. It sounds like he might come in there and be the starter. If not, then it kind of remains to be seen. But they're losing a multi-time starter at quarterback. They're losing Zach Charbonnet. And their schedule's tough, man. In the non-con, they could lose one of their first two games. Coastal Carolina and at San Diego State. They could easily lose one of those. Then in conference play, you have at Utah, at Oregon State. Those are both games you could easily lose. Uh, even Washington State at home or at Arizona could be tricky. At USC is also on the schedule. I think they end up with five or six losses this year. So I'm taking under on uh, UCLA. And even if they go eight and four, you know, you still end up with the under on that one. Uh, who do you have winning the Pac-12? This is another one where I just like, like, dude, I don't want to pick USC, but who else am I going to pick here? So it's just, it's just annoying. Like, I don't, I like, I actually do kind of like Oregon with Bo Nix, but like, I don't know, man. Washington, like, really? Utah, Cam Rising has questions about his health. Is Oregon State really going to win? I don't know, man. I just went with USC. I don't know. I am going Utah plus 550. Um, they've won it the last couple years. Why not just pick them again at way better odds than probably they should? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, on to the SEC. Who do you like from an over-under win perspective? Vanderbilt under three and a half. Wow, they won five last year. Vanderbilt stinks. They don't have a stadium. But they got like eight first-place votes, Nick. Uh, yeah, because, I don't know, somebody was drunk when they filled out their <laughs> media thing. I, I don't know. I'm just not seeing it. Uh, again, they don't have a stadium, and they're playing Hawaii this weekend. What? What? How is that not that a bigger be a story? <laughs> I, I don't know. You go to their uh, you go to their conference schedule. Now, what does concern me about this is because the SEC is a bunch of soft cowards. They they're suck. They're idiots. I they're you know Greg Sankey is a terrible person. 
they've only they only play eight conference games. So for a team like Vanderbilt, that gives them a chance to schedule four cupcakes that they might actually win. So that's my concern here. If they somehow are able to win all four of their non-con games, obviously the bet is sunk at that point. Yeah, that's the listen tough to the part non-con games: Hawaii, Alabama A and M, at Wake Forest, mm. and at UNLV. Win. So they could they could reasonably win. Yeah, three I'll be of honest, those. this would be one I'd probably take over. They could reasonably win yeah, three of those. That's tough. But you are getting plus one fifty. But then you go to their conference schedule versus Kentucky, versus Missouri, at Florida, versus Georgia, at Ole Miss, one of those. Auburn, South Carolina, Tennessee. They have no one. chance of winning any of those games. Yes, they could. Which one? They went five no. and seven last year. Which conference game are they going to win? They could beat Missouri. They could be, I forget what the first one. Yeah, they could be no. Kentucky. Kentucky has, uh, what's his face? Uh, quarterback. They're projected so they're, to win like six or seven games. No, they're, they're going to lose to Kentucky. Okay. <laughs> Missouri, maybe. At Florida versus Georgia. At Ole Miss Florida's versus Auburn. five and a half. At South Carolina. Yeah. You know what? One of those five and a half that they're projecting in there? Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt. Okay. I'll tell you. I'm, I'm going to take the over on this. I'm, I'm fading you on this one. Uh, I'm going to go Florida over five and a half wins. They got to six last year. This is year two of a coach that I like in Billy Napier. I think they can get even more. It's minus 155. Florida's actually ranked 23rd on the ESPN SP Plus in the preseason. It's just a really tough schedule, but I think they work their way. I mean, Utah to open up the season on the road is real tough, but I think they can still work their way to six wins, so I'll take the over there. Who do you have winning the SEC? Uh, in the SEC, I just went with Alabama. I, think I did too. I think the odds aren't there for Georgia. Back. Yeah, I think I think it's their time to rise again. Yeah, Empire Strikes Back. Well, Georgia's minus one fifteen. You know, anytime you can get Bama at plus three hundred, it's like okay, sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back, Bama wins. <laughs> any other league? You can choose any other league that we didn't mention for a uh, mention for a uh, over under win total. UTSA over seven and a half. Meet meep. There you go. Um, I have UTEP over five and a half. They return a good amount. I really like what uh, Dimmel has kind of built there. They uh, have are 38th in returning production, including 22nd offensively. Um, I like the schedule, how it works out. It's kind of a different version of the Conference USA. I think they soar over five and a half wins. I think they get to, to seven or eight this year and contend to uh, possibly win the Conference USA, uh, which brings us to our two other leagues. You can pick to, to win a title based on the odds. I thought about UTEP for one of mine, but I didn't go with it. But who did you take? Western Kentucky to win the Conference USA. I have a dynasty in NCAA football 14 with Western Kentucky that I've been going on. I'm on like year 11. It's awesome. I love Western Kentucky. Let's roll Hilltoppers. They need to somehow add uh, the the red blob helmets that they have yeah, in NCAA football 14. They need to be able to wear those from, to represent my boys. And uh, UTSA, doubling down on UTSA. Frank Harris is like the elite. That. I like uh, Jeff Trailer. And I think they'll have a good chance to win the American. Yeah, I was surprised they were third in odds in the American at 4-1. to one. Um, Tulane lost a lot at plus 210. So I went UTSA, too. I also went Louisiana Tech in the Conference USA. I could see either Law Tech, Middle Tennessee, or UTEP really winning that league. I went with Law Tech. They're 9-1. to one, Got a lot of speed. Um, I, I don't know. They, they're just a team that I could see. I think they're close enough to the rest that I think the odds are uh, should be better for them. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick time out here. We've got the rest of our college football betting preview. Who's going to win the national championship? Who's going to win the Heisman? That coming up next on RCST. we got to finish off our college football betting preview here. We're going to get to the national stuff. Who makes the playoff? Who wins it all? Who wins the Heisman? Let's start with who makes the college football playoff? You can pick four. Again, this isn't necessarily the four that you think are going to make it. You got to apply the odds in there as well. And, you know, if, if somebody like Georgia, for instance, is minus 270. So I, they're going to make it, but I don't want to pick that because it's, it's just lame. You can pick it if you want. Who, who are you for? It's free money. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, the Georgia thing is free money. Okay. I'm picking Georgia. Okay. I don't care. It's shameless. But listen, money is money. It's free. Give me some Georgia action, minus 270. Uh, I also went with Alabama, plus 135. I mean, listen. It's almost a lock that the SEC is getting two teams in. Yeah, but see, okay, here's why I didn't pick Alabama for this. They're plus 300 to win the SEC. If they win the SEC, they're making the playoff. I'd rather just have them at plus 300 than but plus 135. But you could double down. But if you're going to double down, why not just put the double odds on the SEC? Because it's better odds. You get more payback. Uh, I don't know. Because why not? It's more fun. It's fun. But that's, okay. Listen. Who are you to rain on my parade? I'm just saying okay. you are better off putting no, only... You, you know what you're okay. doing? You're being a negative name. I'm, I'm trying to make you more money. It's more than double the amount of money you make on the <laughs> SEC than, than to make the play. Anyways, before I was rudely interrupted, I can't USC, you don't understand that. USC plus 250. I do. It's just it doesn't matter. I don't care. Okay. USC plus 250. Is uh, I like that one. Yeah. And then I wanted one kind of just fun one, so I threw Wisconsin in there. I don't think it's gonna work. I don't think it's gonna hit. But no, but it, it, I can it, just yeah. I can take my fun money from at winning Alabama, and I can just burn it on Wisconsin. So I use USC just like you because what does Lincoln Riley do? He gets like the four seed in the playoff. They lose one game. They yeah. have a really good offense uh, yeah. with a really good Heisman quarterback, and then they they lose as the four seed in the first round because they can't stop the other team. So USC yeah. at plus two fifty. I like that. Like I said, I, I didn't want to take Georgia at minus 270. Um, I actually did go Oklahoma at 7-1. to one. Again, I, I don't know. Oklahoma wouldn't shock me if they go 8-4, 9-3. Like, is Dylan Gabriel going to be in the playoff? I don't know. I just don't see it. Yeah. Dylan no, Gabriel? I, really? I think that's fair. I, I just think there's an avenue here that, given the odds, I'm interested enough in the opening that is there um, for them to kind of take it. I mean, if the defense finally clicks for Brent Venables and – Gabriel, yeah, he's inconsistent, so that scares you a bit. But when he's on his high, he's really good. So, I don't know. 7-1, I thought that was at least an interesting number. And then what I did here is I actually took both ACC schools. I took Florida State at plus 320 and Clemson at plus 300. Because basically what that's saying, not that both of them are going to make it. That's not going to happen. But realistically, if you think those two are head and shoulders above the rest of the ACC, and you think if just one of them can win the league and just one of the two can go 12-1, and one, which I, I think is definitely possible that one of the two can do it, then basically you're saying you're giving me plus 150 odds that one of the two will make it. And that's still better odds than Michigan or Georgia or Alabama, so that's why I did both of them for that. Now, who wins the college football playoff? Uh, you can pick one favorite and one dark horse. All right, I picked Alabama to win. You know what? Despite you... I'm tripling down on Alabama. Mm. Alabama again to win the <laughs> national title. Well, this is no. I'm fine with this because this is different. <laughs> it's better odds. Like, yeah, Alabama to win the national title. A dark horse. I don't know, man. I couldn't really find what I liked. I went with Oregon plus four thousand. I I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of the same thing as like, it, you know, with Dylan Gabriel making the playoff. Is Bo Nix really gonna? Is Bo Nix really gonna win the title? Probably not. But I don't know. Screw Bo Nix revenge tour. Oregon versus Alabama in the title game. Well, days at Auburn. Be, yeah, I guess that would be yeah. sort of revenge. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Michigan. They're 8-1. to one. I, Like I said, they're my pick to win it all, just straight anyway, so I'm going to take them. For my dark horse, I'm going to actually go Notre Dame. Notre Dame at 30, uh, plus 3,500. 35-1. I mean, they, they obviously have the, uh, I don't know, the, the viewability where people are going to be watching them. I think they have a good start to get to at least 4-0. I mean, at NC State will be tough, but Navy, Tennessee State, Central Michigan in there. The schedule is difficult, and that's what scares me here. Ohio State, 
it is at home at Duke, at Louisville, USC, which again is at home, Pittsburgh, at Clemson, Wake Forest, at Stanford. That's an incredibly difficult schedule. If they can go 11-1, and they will be in the playoff. Maybe if this is a weird year, though, 10-2 and two could get them in, even with that schedule. But I just, with Sam Hartman yeah. coming over, they've been really good defensively. Dude, eight and four they run Georgia. the ball well. 8-4 Georgia would go in over 10-2 Notre Dame. No, not with that schedule. Um, so I'm going to take Notre Dame at 35-1. to one. Who wins the Heisman? Choose two. Uh, okay, I went with Drake May as sort of my primary pick. Which if they win the ACC, you're, you're going to yeah, feel good about exactly. his shot. I mean, yeah. it, could, it could be easily be a Caleb Williams type year yep. where – Maybe they're not in the playoff, but Drake May puts up great numbers. They win the ACC. He wins the Heisman. Mm-hmm. My dark horse pick that I think actually has really, really good value right now, Marvin Harrison Jr., plus 5,000. Get it while it's hot. He is so good. I just – if he puts up unbelievable numbers – Dude, all he has to do is have a Devontae Smith type year. I know, but it's just like that was – that's such the oddity that the receiver wins it. Like what if what if he puts up those great numbers and it's just but because the quarterback is even better. He already has the marketability. Like people already know It's like know Travis who he Kelsey is. though. No, but people already Travis know Travis Kelsey he is. puts up 1600 yards. Listen. It's like, "Oh, but Patrick Mahomes at 5000." People already know who he is. He has the marketability. He's already a household name right now. If he has 1500 receiving yards and, you know, 20 touchdowns or whatever, and Ohio State's in the playoff, I think he's there. Okay. I, I, I think the best uh, area for it is in that 10 to 20 to 1 range. Cade Klubnick at 14 to 1, former five star, if you think he can take the step up for Clemson team that makes the playoff. Here's the thing for me only one person has won the Heisman twice, so I'm not going to pick Caleb Williams. Eight of the last 12 winners weren't in the top 10 in preseason odds, though that's been kind of fading recently, so I don't know how I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to value that. Ten of the last 12 were quarterbacks. I am going to go with quarterback. Seven of the last nine made the playoff. I want somebody who has a chance of making the playoff. Jordan Travis at 14 to 1 for Florida State. Sam Hartman and Notre Dame for 16 to 1. Those would be my two picks. All right, that's our college football betting preview. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Two hours down, one to go. We got a KU football superlative segment, KU rugby, coming up in the five o'clock hour. Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to be joined by Seth Okpovana, the uh, KU rugby head coach. Uh, coming up here in about 20 minutes from right now. Before we do that, we continue on with our KU football superlative segment. We have a bunch of superlatives written down on folded up pieces of paper that we draw out of a bowl and randomly talk about them each day. All right, the one for today. Player with biggest gap on ceiling versus floor. So basically the player with the widest range of outcomes for this season. Interesting. Hmm... I mean, automatically, this has to be somebody who is going to be like on the two deep, because you Correct. can't see ceiling versus floor if no, they're not going to play, right? Yeah, I think uh, my first thought was Jason Bean. That's a good one. Uh, I think I, I don't know. I mean, you could maybe talk me into throwing Kobe Bryant on there. I think that's also a good one as somebody who, yeah, he's first team preseason All Big Twelve, but like. It's possible he could maybe not hit that ceiling. Right. The ceiling that you think he can hit. Or, I mean, we, we just had Treyas on earlier today. He said he was going back and watching clips of Kobe Bryant. He was comparing him to Trayvon Diggs from the Cowboys. Yeah, that There are times he, where he made a big play. There are times came, where he got maybe burnt. Yeah. Yeah. So, Kobe Bryant, I think, is fair. Um, I guess depending on how much you believe in Jeremy Robinson, maybe yes. you put him on there. If you wanted to say even a guy like J.B. Brown. Yep. To where 
again, uh, the ceiling could you, be best linebacker exactly. on the team. The depending, floor could be you're coming off the bench. Yeah, depending on how much you believe in him as a player, he could be on there. Uh, let's see. I think those are. Pro- I mean, when you go to the offense, you wouldn't pick Jalen Daniels. You wouldn't pick Devin Neal. You probably wouldn't pick Daniel Highshaw, unless he ends up. Unless you think he's gonna not be the same guy that he was pre-injury. And I guess man, maybe you could you could pick him. You probably wouldn't go with Dylan McDuffie. When you look at the receivers, no. maybe you want to throw maybe you want to throw Trevor Wilson out there if you think that he's going to get back get it back to being the type of bit, uh, deep play deep threat guy that he was you know two years ago. I don't know that the role's going to be there. But I now, think offensively, but now you have Quinn Skinner. So yeah, I I think offensively it's it's the only guys I would look Jason at Bain. would be. I, I guess I could, but again, like, you know, if he's not out there, a ton it might not matter. Uh, what about Armaje Reed Adams? We don't know what the we don't know what the level of play is, right? Could the floor be that? Yeah, it's it's just an average player. The ceiling, though, is a guy who can move, who's three hundred thirty pounds, is a road grader, and and like the ceiling is he could be your best offensive lineman. That's the ceiling. Mm, I don't know that I would go that far. I I. I don't know, man. There's nobody bigger than him. You hear all the athleticism traits. I mean, he's a big dude. Don't be wrong. He's a large man. Uh, again, I'm not saying he is that think. guy. And I'm just saying ceiling-wise, like uh, what he can do, hmm. I think there is a big gap there between the guy we – I, don't I know. think there's better options. I think he's the option if you look at offense. I think they're all the other options mainly for me are defense. I would agree except for Jason Bates. Yeah, but again, if he's your backup quarterback and he's not playing much, I think, it's I think dependent even on the if Jalen Daniels is fully healthy and plays every game, I think Jason Bean is going to play a decent amount of snaps. I'm pretty confident saying that. Okay. I would disagree with that, but okay. it's fine. Like, what do you think he's going to be doing? Dude, they're going to have all kinds of packages where he's going to be out wide. They're going to. I mean, I agree that they'll have a couple of trick do, plays, you know, but that'll be what? Twice I, a game? No, I think it's going to be more frequent than that. How many snaps are you talking here? Give me a number. I think like they run, they run five to ten per game. Fifty-five plays. So you think? I you think, think five about to ten snaps per game. Ten percent of the time, he's going to be on the he's field. He's going to be on the field. Yes. Okay. I disagree, but you know, again, and under the assumption that Jalen's healthy, um, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be utilized in different ways this season. Okay. Defensively, you could have an argument for. Like Tommy Dunn slash DJ Withers, you want to throw Kenny Logan out there too? I'd throw him out there too. Different reasons for the two of them. With Dunn and Withers, it's it's you're a young player who's coming into a position where typically having that strength and added body is so important on, on the interior of the defensive line. Yeah. That what if the floor there is you're not getting much push. But what if the ceiling there is guys who break out and are really impactful players? You know, I, I think they would be up there for me. And then you mentioned J.B. Brown. Um, yeah, Kobe Bryant. And then, yeah, Kenny Logan, I think is another good one. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm looking at J.B. Brown maybe as the guy that I would pick. Yeah. Like, for me, I feel like, I feel like Rich Miller has a high floor. Yeah. O.J. Burroughs has a high floor. Yeah. You know, um, there's some other guys that have a high floor, like uh, – you look at the offense, like Luke Grimm clearly has a high floor. Like, you yeah. know, it's Devin, the guys Devin that, that have floor. the biggest variability. Yeah, exactly. A variability of like, what are you going to do? Are you going to be a below average player? 
here this year, or are you going to be like an impactful player? Are you going to be an all Big 12 level player? Yeah. yeah. So for that reason, if I am going to settle on someone, I mean, I kind of want to go back in line with J.B. Brown. Because again, like I said, the floor is you're a rotational backup linebacker. The yeah. ceiling is you're the best linebacker on the team. Also, the if, defensive tackle. Are you going JB Brown? It's either that or the defensive tackles for me. I think it's either JB Brown or Jamie Robinson for me. Because with Jamie Robinson, it's the same deal. Either you are just a regular, boring defensive end, or you are the best pass rusher on the team. I mean, but he might be the best pass rusher on the team, even if even if he is a regular even in the alternative. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, okay, maybe. I think it's fine. All right, you go. Uh, what, what, what are you going with? Final answer. I'm gonna go defensive tackle. Okay. Dunn slash Withers. If you're doing that, I'll pick Jamie Brown. Okay. All right, my turn. You always pick the boring ones. Give me a fun one. That one wasn't. That one wasn't that boring. No, oh, this one's boring. Best tight end. <laughs> best tight end. Boring. Uh, so we've heard a lot of good things about Trevor Cardell. Yeah, so you got you got three options. Well, what if you view this from a career approach? What do you mean? Like, instead of it being like, who's the best tight end right now for this year, who will have the best tight end career? That's not what it says on the sheet of paper. Okay, well, we wrote the sheet of paper. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> the U.S. Constitution. It's the principle of the thing, man. Come on, you got to follow what it says. It says best um, tight end. Best tight end this season. You can make an argument for, if it is career, so, Jaden Ham. Long term, who knows? Got the whole world in front of him. Let's 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 focus on this. Season. Okay. So you have Mason Fairchild, Jared Casey, and Trevor Cardell. Mm-hmm. Now the thing with Trevor Cardell is there's been some discussion about how this is the first season where he's not focusing on baseball at all. He's all in on football. Does that help him in any way? You know, hundred percent, not distracted by anything. I think it definitely could. He has come up quite a bit in discussions of guys that are impressing or have impressed in fall camp. He's been a he's been a hot name. He's been a guy that's come up quite a bit. But in that same vein, like Mason Fairchild has solidified himself as, you know, the go to. He's got a good connection with Jalen Daniels. He's definitely your best pass catching tight end from what we've seen. I guess maybe if you want to go off potential, maybe Trevor Cardell's better, but we haven't you know, really seen it totally. Mm-hmm. I think the issue that comes down here, though, is with a guy like Jared Casey, he's not going to have the same stats on paper as Mason Fairchild or even as Trevor Cardell. But his impact is, you can't deny it. In his, I mean, he's, he's an excellent blocker. He is a guy that will do whatever you tell him to do, and he's just an all-around great, reliable player that you can that you can lean on. So the question is how much do you value that versus I mean, you know, Mason Fairchild might have 600 yards and seven or eight touchdowns. But if Jared Casey is if he's the guy that continues to pop on film as man, that was a great play. Man, that was a great block. Man, that was, you know, he was the reason why that run sprung for 20 yards. How much do you value that? It's very valuable to me. So that if that's the case, then you might look at Jared Casey at the end of the year and say that was your best tight end. Even mm-hmm. if Mason Fairchild does have, you know, seven touchdowns, Trevor Cardell has 500 receiving yards or whatever. Yeah, I 
That is a difficult question. So, yeah, I, uh, the guy who's had the most helium lately is Trevor Cardell, but I, I don't think it's enough helium to get him over those two in terms of the amount that he's playing. Uh, Cardell a season ago played – that seems Yeah, because, I mean, it's a good problem to have to where you say, well, we want to play three tight ends. Do you want to take a guess how many snaps Trevor Cardell played last season? Oh, I'm guessing it's like 150. Well, let me give you out of, out of comparison here. Um Mason Fairchild played 661 snaps. Okay. Jared Casey played 414. So Would it's like actually it's probably lower Trevor than 150. Cardell. It's probably like 70. It was 82. I feel like that's low. Well, he was hurt. My refute, if yeah, you're right, right, he was hurt he was. for the first part of the season. Yeah. Still, I, I expect that number to go up. I would expect that to be closer to you know 100, 150 this year. Maybe Casey's goes down to 400, Fairchild more towards 650 or something. Maybe more lineups where you have two or three tight ends out there. But the thing is, is but if I, you want to go with three tight ends, yeah. here's the deal. If you want to run a three tight end lineup and you put three three tight ends with one receiver, well, now you're taking Luke Grimm and Quentin Skinner off the field or Quentin right. Skinner and Lawrence Hoddle off the field. It's a good problem to have, but it, it is, certainly does make it difficult for those guys to get on the field. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, so I think you have to be between Casey and Fairchild. Um, Casey actually had a higher grade on Pro Football Focus. He was a basically a 70. Fairchild was basically a 68. In the passing game, Fairchild was over 76. Casey was about 74 and a half. Pass blocking game, Casey was a 72. Fairchild was a 68. I didn't realize this. Some of the run blocking numbers kind of degraded as the season went on for Fairchild. He ended a 50 and a half. Casey ended up a 59, but... I. Watching the games for both those feels low, to be honest. I thought Fairchild did a much better job than that. Casey specifically. I thought Casey was excellent in run blocking. I mean, setting some of the – like he – a lot of times – became his calling card. Yeah, and maybe I am overselling it because maybe it did feel like anytime Kansas had a big run, Jared Casey was setting the big block. Maybe that makes it more notable to where like maybe there were times when KU had a two-yard run where – he messed up the block, and that lowered the grade here. Yeah. Uh, but I do think both those guys are, are better blockers than those and numbers did show. Earlier in fall camp, we interviewed Jared Casey and played the audio on the show, and he had talked about how he wanted to get a little bit bigger because as a tight end, at if, you know, if, if you're in the 230, 235, 240 range and not closer to you know 250 or 255, 260, you can get pushed around by bigger defensive ends, by mm-hmm. bigger – defensive tackles if you're you know if you're a tight end pulling across the line trying to get out in front of and block somebody you can get kind of pushed around by those guys so you know maybe that was the case maybe there was some games where he kind of got pushed around a little bit as maybe a little bit more of an undersized guy and that's something that he talked about that's something that he wanted that he said he wanted to improve over the offseason so that'll be something to keep an eye on but uh, yeah I I think I think Fairchild's got to be the answer here because he's going to be your best receiving tight end he's going to put up probably pretty solid numbers He's he's in position to go down as one of the best tight ends in KU history with his numbers, if he has a good season this year. I think it's got to be. I think it's got to be that answer. And I, you know, Jared Casey's fun. He's got a great. He's got the great story. But I still think Fairchild's got to be the pick here. I'm gonna go Casey. I, I okay, see him yeah. on the ends of those big plays. I mean, if, and yeah, if you think he's, he's been the fulcrum to so much, I think he's yeah. got the best hands of, of the tight end group. Even though Fairchild 
overall has the best receiving game because it's it's not just the hands that, that play into it, right? Um, but I, I don't know. I think there's a lot you can do with him and a lot that he unlocks. You don't really have another Jared Casey type on the roster. No. All those other tight ends are the Mason Fairchild types. They're I mean, big. Yeah, they're I mean, tall, right? How many times have we talked about Jared Casey as being more of like the H-back type? Exactly. You can utilize in a lot of different ways. So I'm going to actually go Casey there. All right, okay, he's Nick his, Springer. His versatility, I like that. Yeah. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our KU Football Superlative segment for the day. We uh, have an interview coming up next. With Seth Akpovina, who is the new head coach for the KU Men's Rugby Club here in Lawrence. We'll get to that on the other side. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we have the new KU rugby coach joining us here. Um, there obviously was the transition that we talked plenty about throughout the show here. It's Seth Okpovina who uh, takes over this position, but uh, I want to get to your background and, and what got you into rugby and what got you to this place. So let's start there. When did you first start playing rugby? What kind of got you into the sport to begin with? Uh, I started playing rugby, I think, fall of 20. 20- 11 actually so i kind of stumbled across the team in topeka um played there for a little bit uh in college transitioned to playing for wichita barbarians down in wichita kansas and then still playing there but i've had a relationship with KU rugby for a while Mm -hmm. so what what is that relationship is that something where you guys have scrimmaged against each other and just kind of gotten to know each other how did you uh become kind of acclimated with the program uh, to where you know you've gotten now where you're leading the program uh, it kind of came out of uh, convenient circumstance, I guess. So my freshman year of college at Emporia State, our team folded halfway through the fall semester. And just looking for various matches and looking for opportunities to play, I got in touch with uh, Rick Rimfro, who I'm sure you've heard about. Yep. Um, so I've practiced, played a few matches off and on um, ever since 2013. How would you describe your game as a rugby player? Ooh, that is a tricky one. Um I'd say I, I try to do a lot to help the guys around me. Um, not necessarily just taking over work, but trying to create opportunities for them. Yeah. So uh, usually in my best games, it's easy to not realize what I'm doing. And how has your experience as a player, how, how does that kind of mold how you want to come across as a coach? Uh, I think playing actively kind of helps because I get hands-on experience for the things that are working and the ways that the game is changing a little bit. Obviously, you can get that as a coach just by doing your own research, but it's nice to have that from playing. Is it is it nice to come into a program here at KU that it, it feels like has been set up well for, for a new coach to take over in terms of recent success and some of the things that you have the ability for? Um, I guess what went into the decision for you about why you wanted to take this position? Uh, so originally, Andy came to me, this is probably October of last year, and I was very shocked about even being approached for that option, uh, just because I'm still pretty young, still actively playing. So we went back and forth for uh, a number of months, but uh, I have a relationship with the club as a whole, and then I've been practicing and helping coach Sevens Rugby for the college team in the spring. So I have a relationship with the guys as well. And that was something that you guys did for the first time this past spring, correct? Yeah. How, how did that go, and, and what was that transition like for, for some of the players with that kind of different style? Uh, so I think that worked pretty well. Um, the players, surprisingly, hadn't played a whole lot of sevens. I, I don't think it's stressed quite as much in high school. And then on top of that, we have players who are new to the game in general. But um, I think they really took on to the different concepts very quickly. What was the uh, first time that you met Andy and, and got to know him, who was the, the previous head coach? I honestly could not tell you how long ago I met Andy. Uh, 
he's just been around for a while. Uh, I've played against him. I've obviously helped coach a little bit with him. But, yeah, great guy overall. Um, I would guess I've known him for seven to eight years. And now as, as far as we get into this year for the team, when do players, newcomers, start joining? Is that something where with the first week of school you get players coming to try out? Or are there players that you know maybe are incoming freshmen to KU that find out about the rugby club before they even come and, and they start doing stuff with you guys in the summer? Uh, it's a little bit of a mix. So we had, I think, three or four guys show up over the summer to our weekly touch sessions. And then with the first week of school, we've had some guys start to come out. So is there a, a certain number that you're looking to get to with the roster? Is it no cut? You have everybody on? How, how does that work from a roster and, uh, I, I guess, a tryout perspective? Um, there's not a, a set number that I'm particularly looking for, and we don't have any cuts or anything like that. I don't think rugby in Kansas in particular is going to be a sport where we have a situation where we have too many players. Um, we're just fortunate enough that for most of the weekends that we play, we do have uh, two matches every weekend. So for our guys who are newer to the game, we have a developmental side. Um, so everyone's going to get playtime. So what would be, to, to somebody who maybe is on the borderline, is on the fence about wanting to try out or, or see how it goes for them in rugby, or maybe their parent is like, ah, I don't know that, they, you know, I'm sending my kid to call it, whatever. What would you tell them about why rugby is such a great sport and why this is a really cool opportunity to do at KU? Um, I think that depends person by person. So obviously you'll have guys who played uh, football in high school but aren't doing anything currently or they played different sports before. Um and a lot of those guys probably have some sort of itch to be competitive still and have some sort of like brotherhood or camaraderie. So that's one option there. And then um, if the answer is no when talking to new people, typically what I tell them is come out to a practice, come try it for a week. If you don't like it, cool, I'll never bother you about it again. So uh, I, I think it's just getting people willing to try it. Yeah. Is, is there a biggest uh, among the kids who do come out who have played sports in high school, is there a biggest correlation between a majority of our kids played soccer, played football, or played some sort of sport in high school, if, even if they didn't have rugby as an option? Uh, I think for the current players, there's quite a mix. Um, there's some players with soccer backgrounds, a few baseball players. Obviously, you're going to attract football players. Um few runners so it, it's a pretty wide range and how do you go about you know being a new coach having your voice be heard at, at the same level of of the previous guy was that a tough transition at all or or did it become a lot easier being the new head coach being that you were you know a part of the team and, and working with uh, a lot of the players with sevens uh, I think the transition from sevens helped out quite a bit and um, I've actually talked to Andy about that since then he kind of tricked me into being more willing to take that role uh, just because throughout the spring he kept giving me more and more responsibility so eventually I was just running the seven sessions on my own and do you have a preference between sevens and, and regular uh, I definitely prefer 15s over sevens. Okay. Um, depending on who you talk to, that's an unpopular opinion, but for me, 15s is the way to go. More of a, I feel like with 15s, it's more of the art of the game, whereas with sevens, it is more of the explosiveness and the speed. Is, is that kind of a, an accurate way of depicting the difference between the two? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, 15s, is a, it's a little bit slower. You have to be somewhat methodical with what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve on the field. Um, with sevens, you can literally win games with speed. Mm -hmm. And so when you're going about you know, putting the your, your lineups together. Um, I don't know. Do you do you have to do any recruiting? Do you have to like go around to different high schools or, or have kids reach out to you and be like, "Yeah, we're looking for you know a a speedy uh, person who can play on the outside that can that can help us out with this or that." Or is it just kind of whatever falls in your lap? You got to kind of you know morph and, and figure out from there from the roster. Uh, typically, whatever falls into our lap. Mm -hmm. So we do some high school recruitment, but we don't 
seek out specific positions. Um, we have a relationship with a few of the high schools in Kansas in the Kansas City area, and then um, the organizations there as well. So there's the Kansas City Junior Blues that we have a few players from this fall. We're looking forward to that. Um, and then over the summer, we actually hosted two separate events to get high school kids to come to. So instead of having our typical touch sessions at Westwick, we actually set something up in Johnson County and have guys come out there. Uh, as far as when things get started for you guys, when the schedule ramps up for you, obviously right now you're practicing and everything. When is the first game and, and the first live competition? Uh, our first match is actually this Saturday, okay. so we're getting we're getting started very quickly. We had the preseason camp last week, and then uh, a training session this week, and then we're right into a match. And who are you guys facing on on Saturday? Uh, we're playing Southern Nazarene University. Okay, and uh, will that game be at Westwick, or is that going to be on the road? Uh, that's actually going to be on the road. Okay, so when is when is the first uh, home game at Westwick that that people can come out to? Uh, first home game would be next weekend. I think that's September second at eleven a.m. Okay, and I I remember last year. I'm, I'm assuming this is still the same that the competition was in the first semester. Those were like your conference games that set you up for second semester to possibly make it into the postseason. Is that still the same? And, and is that the same format for sevens as it is for fifteens? Uh, so the structure is very similar to um, last fall, uh, with the exception being that we have fewer league matches this time. We're still playing the same teams, but we're only going to play uh, our league rivals uh, once. Mm-hmm. Are there any players that uh, we should be on the lookout for uh, that, that could have really good seasons this year? Uh, we have a, a lot of talent on the club, so it's kind of hard to single people out. Um, but something I'm excited about is uh, our senior, Trevor Lister. So he actually spent last spring uh, down in New Zealand playing. And so looking forward to what he's bringing back to the club. Um, I know he's going to be a lot better than he was, even though he was already good. But his, his leadership something special. And uh, how have the newcomers just in totality come along? Do you have some some good talent, interesting talent with, with high potential that's coming in for this year? Yeah, we don't have too many guys that are completely new to the sport. But for the guys that have shown up, um, there's a lot of eagerness to learn and quite a bit of athleticism. What's typically the, the biggest thing you have to, somebody who's new to rugby, that, that it takes the longest to get across to them uh, about the rules of the sport? Um, I think it depends on what sport they come from. So with football, the two biggest hurdles will be not passing the ball forward and trying to block. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as people helping out the club, um, because obviously all this stuff is you know kind of funded from a – it's not university-sponsored, so a lot of it with the travel and, and everything that you guys are doing needs different types of support. And you mentioned Rick Renfro. He does an unbelievable job with that. Um, what are some ways that people can help support the club? Going out to games? Is there anywhere to buy merch or anything? Well, what's the best way for, for people to, to, I don't know, donate to the cause, basically? Uh, so the easiest option is going to be to follow our socials. Uh, we're pretty active on Facebook and Instagram. And so there's going to be frequent posts regarding uh, upcoming trips that we might, might need help with. Uh, we have a active merch store currently. So if uh, fans or parents are looking to buy some merch, that's an easy way to do it. We typically have a pretty quick turnaround with that. And then... Um, also on the website, which you can find through our socials as well. All right. Well, I'm going to be checking out that merch site later today. You can do the same. Again, it all goes to a great cause and everything. Well, I appreciate you coming in here, Seth, and I appreciate you meeting uh, with me. And uh, we're excited to hopefully have many more of these interviews. And good luck this season, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Seth Akpovana joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk from the KU Rugby Club. Thank you for him for uh, hopping on. We're going to take a time out with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN.
depending on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter rcst 1320 am at gmail.com that's rcst 1320 am at gmail.com and if you want to listen live 3 to 6 p.m central time monday through friday on klwn klwn.com and the klwn app have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast